Hi, Kayla. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing tonight? Well, I have my Jesus and coffee, coffee mug. <laughs> I'm drinking some kind of cinnamon creamer. And I have cookies from Knicker mm. that I'm going to be eating. And I'll have to mute myself so I'm not chomping in the microphone. I love Panera cookies. They're really yummy. I bought four and I ate all of them. <laughs> Good for you. Who cares? I kept my coffee simple today. It's just uh, regular coffee and um, the Cold Stone sweet creamer. It's my favorite. I love it. Well, I better try that. Yeah, it's really yummy. Really yummy. Yeah, it's just, it's like a cinnamon flavor. So I just thought that I tried that the other week. Good fall flavor. Yeah. Are you a big pumpkin person? Do you yeah. go into the, are you? Um, See, I'm, I'm the basic white girl. I love pumpkin pie. I, I don't know. I just can't get with the pumpkin flavored coffee. It's just not my thing. My sister did get pumpkin flavored whipped cream and that I absolutely love, but try that. yeah, that's the one fall trend I never really got into all the I, other ones. Yeah, for sure. I'm mm -hmm. all about it. No, I got this coffee or no, it's whipped cream, but it's the, like, it's not real milk. Okay. I don't know. Did I tell you about that? How I made myself lactose intolerant? Yes, you did. <laughs> so now I can't drink any kind of like milk products. So it's like all almond milk, but this whipped cream is so good and it doesn't make me sick. So my dogs know the sound of it because they get some too. <laughs> and <laughs> I took them to Dunkin' Donuts with me the other day. And they're in there spreading, like spraying the whipped cream, and all my dogs are like going crazy. <laughs> yeah, looking in the mirror or in, through the window, like what is happening in there? There's whipped cream. Like they knew it. They know that sound. Oh, that's funny. That's cute though. The puppas. Have loves bell. <laughs> they know it. They hear that bell, and they're like, "Oh my god, it's whipped cream." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, are you ready to hear a story for tonight? I am so ready. What do you yeah. have today? We are going to be talking about Rodney James Alcala. Alcala? Alcala. <laughs> I believe Alcala. I am not sure who that is. Never heard of that guy before. Never? Well, let's get into it. Okay, so <clears throat> on August 23rd, 1942, Rodrigo... Jacquez Alcala Buquar, I hope I pronounced all that right, <laughs> was born in San Antonio, Texas to Mexican-American parents Raul Alcala Buquar and Ana Maria Gutierrez. In 1951, when Rod was nine, his father moved to the family to Mexico. Then three years later, his father abandoned them completely. In 1954, his father left his mom and decided to move 11-year-old Rod and his two sisters to the L.A. suburbs. When he was 17 in 1961, he joined the Army as a clerk, but three years later, he ended up having a nervous breakdown and went AWOL, which stands for um, unauthorized absence or absence without leave. He, so, wait, wait. Hold on, let me back up for a second. What years are the are is 19, this? 1961. 
So this would have been like Vietnam-ish, I think. So I wonder if that's why he had like a mental breakdown. I wonder if he went to like Vietnam or something or saw something crazy. Um, maybe. Yeah, because that you are right. I didn't even think of that. That would be right around that time. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like childhood trauma that caused him to have a mental breakdown. That could very well be it. Yeah. Too. That's wild. So he hitchhiked from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, to his mom's house in LA. After, what? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, that's a a long journey. That's like literally across the United States. Yeah. Like East Coast to West Coast. Mm-hmm. I feel like hitchhiking back then was kind of like more normal to yeah. do like you know when and I know I understand there are movies like whatever but like I know when like movies that are like based in like this era there's always like people hitchhiking you know what I mean yeah and it's almost like we went full circle so people used to hitchhike and then throughout the 80s and 90s it was like don't hitchhike because there's serial killers out there mm-hmm now look at uber and lyft and all those crazy things like not only like you have like a complete stranger who just like decided to sign up to be a driver just showing up at your house it's essentially the same thing really yeah Yeah, Yeah. that's that's true i don't know i would think they would have to go through some kind of like background i don't know i i remember a while ago hearing that I guess like the taxi drivers in the big cities were mm-hmm. fighting against like Uber and Lyft because they're not regulated. Oh. But I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know what kind of regulations are in place for drivers. Like whether it's just, you know, paying a portion to whatever company they work for or if there's actual trainings and background checks that they have to pass. Yeah. I don't know. Guys, if you're doing Lyft or Uber, be safe. Yeah. You do better judgment. All right. So after going AWOL, a military psychiatrist diagnosed him as having antisocial personality disorder. This is characterized as having a blatant disregard for others and manifest in violating people's rights. This also involves resisting social norms, breaking laws, being deceptive and impulsive, thriving and getting off by lying and fooling people and having no remorse i feel like we know a few people like that (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) like a hundred percent but it seems like it's like psychopathy Mm -hmm. like that that's like the earlier name for it or something yeah who does like gets off on lying to people like you're deceitful I don't know. I guess you get like a rush off of it. I'm not sure. That's weird. Agreed. After leaving the army, he attended and later graduated from UCLA School of Fine Arts in 1968. His first known crime was committed on September 25th of 1968. He pulled up next to eight-year-old Tally Shapiro who was walking to school and asked if she needed a ride. She said no. He told her it was fine. He knew her parents and he was some, and he has some pretty cool photos to show her. 
She had a hard gut feeling, but after he insisted he knew her parents, she decided to trust him after all. Why would anyone lie about that? Yeah, what the heck? Eight years old. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, you hear this a lot. I'm already ramming it into my daughter. Like, you never go with anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care if they say they know us. No. You know, do you ever hear the comedian Burt Kreischer? No. He's hilarious, and he's from Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he made, they made a safe word. So instead of saying like, hey, I know your parents, if people pick them up, they have a word that they'll say. So they chose the word mother effort, except the uh, actual word. Uh-huh. So it was like, I don't know, like a family member went to pick their one daughter up and she's like, say the secret word. I'm not getting in the car. <laughs> he always jokes about his youngest daughter is like a psychopath. And so she's making the uncle say mother effort. And she's like, I can't hear you. What's the word? Like, Oh, oh my goodness, that's hilarious. That's if I funny. Find clip, I'll send it to you. Yeah, please do. But I'd like to sit down with your daughter and we'll make up a word. Sounds good to me. <laughs> It'll definitely be mother effer. <laughs> Nothing like hearing your six-year-old say that. Uh, I'd be lying if I said she hadn't said that before. <laughs> it's all right, guys. Everything's fine. So, another man was watching her that morning and thought the interaction between Alcala Alcala and the little girl was weird. Her initial hesitation, then final acceptance felt off to him. He followed them to Alcala's Hollywood apartment and didn't know why, but called the police to report it. Police arrived shortly later and knocked on the door. Alcala answered, he is a tall man with long curly hair and had a towel wrapped around himself ill ill yeah because we know she's in there ill and she's eight years old yeah well good for that i don't know passerby yeah i don't know like thought something fell off and just reported it Mm mm-hmm he said he just got out of the shower and to give him a minute to get dressed Police tell him he has 10 seconds and immediately start counting. After he doesn't return or respond, they break in. The police rush into the place and find what they think is the deceased little girl with a mental bar on her neck, with a metal bar on her neck. Oh my God. They continue searching the apartment and one of the officers stop because he hears a gurgling noise and then realizes it's Tali Shapiro, and she is still somehow alive. Oh my gosh. Ugh, the metal bar against her neck, eight years old. Like, I can't. Those. The tall, dark haired man escaped, but left his photography equipment, ID, and numerous photos of the young girl behind. The FBI put him on their most wanted list and pursued leads for three years while the case remained cold. Wow. So I'm assuming like the little girl lived, right? Yes. After this, Akala took off to NYU and enrolled in film school with a new name, John Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R. He lived there from 1968 to 1971 
and he studied at New York University under Roman Polinsky. What? I'm sure some of you um, have heard that name before. Roman Polinsky is actually a Polish-French film director who is a fugitive from the U.S. after fleeing. His wife was pregnant, Sharon Tate, who was murdered by the Manson family. After Sharon's murder, he started using drugs heavily and allegedly took advantage of a 13-year-old girl after drugging her with quaaludes and molesting her multiple times. He is accused of sleeping with multiple young girls from ages 15 to 19 years old and calling them love affairs. Yeah. Yeah. I knew he was Sharon Tate's husband. I didn't know that other stuff, though. Yeah. He is still alive and hiding out in France, making movies, and is remarried. So the U.S. can't go to France, I guess? I'm not sure how that works. Like, you would think. I guess we don't have an extradition like treaty or whatever you call that with France. Ew. I definitely knew he was Sharon Tate's husband. I did not know that he was also a child molester though. And he's still making movies. Yeah. Like just not facing the charges, I guess. Oh, that is so gross. Yeah. I don't understand. Where's this uh, cancel culture that's so popular right now? Like, why is he not canceled? I don't understand. Exactly. Too busy rallying against principles for... I'm going to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. I'm not getting politics involved. In June 1971, Cornelia Michelle Creeley a 23-year-old flight attendant was found raped and strangled in her apartment in downtown Manhattan. He was not connected to her murder until 2011. That's a long what? Time. That is yeah. a really long time. That sucks. Yeah, it does. After Rodney left New York, he went to New Hampshire and got a job at an art camp for children and went by a different spelling of his fake name. So now he is John Berger, B-U-R-G-E-R. He's at an art camp for children. Gross. Yeah, this yep. is unsettling. Mm-hmm. And I, it's weird, like, so he goes from Cali to New York up to New Hampshire. Like, he's just all over. All over the place, yeah. In 1971, the FBI added him to the 10 most wanted fugitives list after the rape of eight-year-old Tally Shapiro. Two kids from the art camp in New Hampshire recognized him when they saw his photo on a poster at the post office. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So kudos to those kids. Yeah. He was arrested and extradited to California. However, Shapiro's family moved to Mexico and would not allow her to testify. Huh. I guess they didn't want her to relive that trauma. Yeah, that absolutely. That could be a really traumatic thing to go through. Yeah. Without a witness, he was not able to be convicted of rape and attempted murder, but he was convicted of child molestation and sentenced to three years. Then he was paroled. Hold on. So we need a witness? 
So uh, what, like everything that the cops found wasn't enough? I guess not. Come on. You would think though, because he left his, his ID there, correct? He answered the door and fled. What could your defense be? You're naked and there's an eight-year-old uh. in your, like, come on. This is our justice system. Oh. Yeah, definitely not perfect in any way, shape, or form. So three years, that's all he got. That's, that's a shame. Yeah. He did 17 months in jail and was paroled in 1974. Two months later, he got arrested again for assaulting a 13-year-old girl named Julie. She thought he was just friendly and offering her a ride to school. He was again paroled in 1977 after serving only two years. His so, L- wow. This is like a pattern, though. He's, he's picking young girls up. either on their way to or from school. And serving, what, three and then two, five years for yeah. crap. Yeah. You would say there has to be, like, we got to do better than that. People like this can't just be, you know. Yeah. Keep getting back onto the streets. So gross. His LA parole officer allowed Alcala, who was a repeat offender and a known flight risk, to travel to New York City. Why? Why was he allowed to travel to New York City? Yeah, that's what. Oh, God. A week after he arrived, Ellen Jane Hover, a 23 year old from Manhattan, who was the daughter of a popular Hollywood nightclub owner, was found deceased. She was found buried in the grounds of the Rockefeller Estate in Westchester County. She was the goddaughter of Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. Oh my gosh. And the Rockefellers, I don't know if they still, well, probably not, because I think Elon Musk and Bezos or Bezos are the richest, but Rockefeller is like old money i think they like started a bank or all the banks or something i don't know really yeah they're like like i think everything all those theories about the illuminati Uh somehow the rockefellers are involved in those conspiracy theories they're pretty wild to read though i never read them if i find it i'll have to send it to you but yeah rockefellers are stupid rich and old money good for them (laughs) yeah we come from a long line of alcoholic immigrants (laughs) i couldn't have said that better myself Uh, Uh i love our families though me too i wouldn't have it any other way yeah in 1978, he went back in L.A. He really moving around here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. And uh, again, is he hitchhiking or are we taking flying first class? Uh, who freaking knows? He's picking up children, picking up wealthy. Like, this is wild. Like, he just flipped the switch and wow. Yeah. Uh, So he went back to L.A. and he worked as a typesetter. This was during the Hillside Stranglers Reign of Terror. The task force that was investigating the Hillside Strangler interviewed him because they were looking for known sex offenders. 
They ruled him out, but arrested him for marijuana possession, and he served a brief stint in jail. Also in 1978, Rodney was a contestant on a dating game, which used to be a popular game show. The host at the time was Jim Lang, and he introduced Alcala as a successful professional photographer who got who, who got his start at 13 when his father found him in a dark room. Between takes, you can find him skydiving and motorcycling. Another contestant thought Alcala was very strange and had bizarre opinions. Cheryl Bradshaw was the episode's bachelorette, and despite Alcala winning the competition because of his consistent sexual induendos, induendos, (laughs) induendos, where the hell did I get that D from? Ah. Is that good? (laughs) He later met, she later met him in person and said she found him creepy and disturbed and refused to go out with him which yeah round of applause to her because how many people do we know that would have been like oh I don't want to be rude I'll just go and get it over with listen to your gut seriously because he like she would have been the next one oh yeah the show was new for the time and the 70s audience wanted raunchy and sexual explicit content and that's just what Alcala delivered ill yeah so he was like creepy Ugh. yeah Ugh. executive produ- producer mike metzger and his wife contestant coordinator ellen metzger disagreed on where to cast alcala there was no technology at this time to do background checks, so they went off their gut feelings. Ellen said he was attractive and seductive and, the, and thought women would love him. However, Mike said that he thought Alcala was strange and made him feel deeply uncomfortable. So this guy has to be a little off if there's like multiple people thinking he's weird. Yeah. But if you think about it, so the wife is just going off his appearance and she's like, oh, what he's handsome Mm -hmm. and the husband who probably talked to him is the one that's like "Mm, something's off something's not right yeah producer david greenfield said it hard for him to watch that episode knowing that knowing what alcala was capable of he also thought it was bold and brazen that alcala committed crimes beforehand then purposely went on television That is a good point. So he's on the FBI's most wanted list and he's on a friggin' dating game show. I didn't even think of that. That I did not even think of that. I wonder if he like changed his appearance or. Or if this is part of that antisocial, you know, like they get off on being deceitful. Oh. So it's almost like haunting the the police like look at me i'm on the dating game yeah what a doofus fellow contestant jed mills said alcala was creepy and told him in the green room before the show quote i always get my girl unquote Yeah. heebie-jeebies in 1979 he dated 22 year old beth kelly her 
It's K-E-L-L-E-H-E-R, I believe. Kelleher. 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 And she said he was intellectual, well-mannered, outgoing, amusing, charming, and wonderful. That's suspicious, though. I wonder why the relationship ended. Yeah. Ugh. He started a scam pretending to be a professional fashion photographer around the time he was on a dating game. Hundreds of young women and men posed for his supposed professional portfolio. A woman that worked with him at the Times said he would show new photos of young girls and boys to his co-workers. When she confronted him about it, he said that the mothers asked him to do it. Okay. No, he's taking naked photos of girls uh, and boys. Yeah. Ooh. And showing them to people. Like, that's pretty ballsy, don't you think? Yeah. Especially if the people end up missing or their bodies are found, you know, and they're murdered. That too. Yeah. One of the women that modeled for him in 1979 said he told her he was a professional photographer. To this day, many of the photos had people that have still not been identified despite being sexually <laughs> I can't explicit. So that's uncomfortable. <laughs> a little bit. i'm over here choking cookies down i can't say that word i don't know why it's like such an easy word but i can't say it i couldn't say poltergeist last week (laughs) the first poltergeist i was like the first first, i I couldn't do that Uh, he's a creep a little bit just a little bit yeah All right, so later at his trial, a girl, Monique Hoyt, came forward saying in 1979, she posed for him and he knocked her unconscious and raped her. On June 20th, 1979, 12-year-old Robin Sampson disappeared somewhere between Huntington Beach and her ballet class. 12 days later, her decomposing body was found at the LA foothills in the LA foothills oh my god this little girl just trying to get to her freaking ballet class or coming home from it or whatever yeah so sad Robin's friends told police that a photographer came up to them on the beach asking to take their pictures the friend described the man to a sketch artist and Alcala's parole officers recognized him right away the police searched <clears throat> his mom's house in Montreal Park and found a receipt for a storage locker in Seattle, Washington. Uh, in the storage locker, they found Robin's earrings. He? All right, Seattle. So literally, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Like, where in the world is this guy? Yeah, he's all over the place. Right. How do you feel about me buying your daughter a gun? (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to teach her how to shoot it first. Oh, man. 
there are Rodney Alcalas in this world, everyone needs to be locked and loaded. You ain't kidding, that's for sure. He's... Oh, no, like, you... Oh, my God. I can't even... I don't even have words right now. I wonder how he got her. Or... Oh, wait, no, never mind. It wasn't her. Scratch that. Okay. She's with friends it is weird yeah he's a photographer like come in you want to take pictures of 12 year olds you pervert i know i like uh, i don't know it's unsettling very i mean we could just get your daughter a knife and teach her to stab in the lower (laughs) region because there is a, a some kind of artery down there female artery there is the yeah, other is a major one down. i don't know which one it is but you're right about that yeah well i'll get a dummy and i'll see where the artery is and if anyone does anything weird i'll just show her how to stab and pull <laughs> i will turn your daughter into a psychopath but don't worry because she won't get caught up getting her photo taken by creeps well that'll be good I also don't want her on America's Most Wanted either, though. (laughs) There needs to be a fine line. All right. In July of 1979, he was arrested and held without bail. In 1980, he he was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death for Robin's murder. The verdict was overturned by the California Supreme Court because the jurors were improperly informed of his past sex crimes. So again, what? yeah, properly um, informed of his past sex crimes. I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the current case he's being tried for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have past sex crimes of going left there. What the little the first little girl, um, Tally, she was eight, right? Mm-hmm. So this one's 12. And because the jurors knew about his past of molesting an eight-year-old, that case got overturned. Again, like what? I don't understand. I, yeah, I don't know how any of this works. But I'm right there with you. It makes no sense to me. And you know, again, like, is this the stuff that was written by the, or like within the Constitution? <laughs> like something's protecting this doofus horrible to think about (laughs) so again in 1986 a second trial happened and nobody was allowed to share anything about his prior criminal record testimony he was again convicted and sentenced to death alcala 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 tried to call a witness to support the idea that the park ranger who found robin's body was hypnotized by police. Is he serious? Yeah. Uh, I guess once you're caught, though, you'll try anything you can think of to get out. I want to punch this guy. Mm. During, what was that? (laughs) I would like to punch him. How are your cookies? With a machete. (laughs) They're really good. I want to punch him with a machete. I like that. Yeah, like he should probably be disemboweled. Oh, Agreed. Hate I'm him. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. Hate him. 
During interviews with police, he would pretend to be asleep and trace his index finger along the photos of victims to anger the investigators. So gross. Yeah. One investigator, Jeff Sherman, from the Sweetwater County Sheriff's Office in Wyoming, interviewed him in 2003 and said, everything about the guy gave me the creeps. He was the coldest person I have ever met. Sounds to be. Yeah. In 2003, prosec prosecutors wanted to join the charges brought against him for the murder of Robin with those of four newly discovered victims. His attorney con contested this, saying, if you're a juror and hear one murder case, you may be able to have reasonable doubt but it's very hard to say you have reasonable doubt on all five, especially when four of the five aren't eyewitnesses, but proven by DNA matches. How could a lawyer represent him like in good consciousness? Uh, the greed, eh, the money, like it has to be, I don't. But if I mean, at what point does your moral or like do your morals just step in like, I don't care how much money you have. I just, oh. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't imagine doing anything like that. No, no, me either. In 2006, Supreme Court ruled in favor of the prosecution and in February 2010, Alcala stood trial on the five joint charges. This was his third trial, and he decided to be his own attorney this time. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I always like when people do that. Yeah, I know. I feel like it never really turned out well for him, but I'm okay no. with it. Whatever. Yeah. He took the stand and for five hours went back and forth playing the role. Of <laughs> I just got like a mental image in my head. Play <laughs> He went hours, for hours, he went back and forth playing the role of the interrogator and the witness. Can just like picture that in your head and say like, it doesn't make you giggle just a little bit. I don't know how the jury <laughs> has a straight face. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Halo, what do you think about this? Well, I think these turkeys are delicious. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Um, uh, I don't know. Like they could have recorded that and they could have been a TV show. That would have been good to watch. But listen, the most bizarre part of this is that he would address himself as Mr. Akala in a deep voice and then answer the question in his normal voice. <laughs> that just makes it even better. That is so funny. What an idiot. Amanda, where were you yesterday? <laughs> I was at work. Uh, weirdo. Uh-huh. He interrogated himself, asking a number of questions about his hair, like, <laughs> Rodney, please tell me about your hair. Then he would respond with a lengthy answer about how his thick, dark, wavy hair is different from the one in this sketch. Sorry, I'm Googling him. <clears throat> he also said, Mr. Akala, can you tell us what you did on June 15th? Then he spent the entire... <laughs> Then he spent the entire day in painstaking details explaining to the jury what he did that day. 
He also questioned himself to prove that he was leaving California before Robin died and justify the storage locker. He mixed up exhibit numbers, went into detail about different camera lessons, about different camera lenses and speeds, and pulled out an ad circular that <laughs> then read ad that he supposedly took out to prove he was selling barbell bedroom furniture and a film processor. Nobody mm -hmm. understood the connection. I was just gonna say, I'm not. <laughs> connection yeah look this is what target has on sale this week this is why i could not have done this murder like what yeah yeah pretty much pretty much i'm just looking him up he looks like a creep yeah he spent hours explaining that he calculated the sun's angle to show that he was at the beach taking pictures of rollerblading teenagers he also told the judge he was qualified to do this because he took geometry and trigonometry in high school and a math class in college. Mm. <laughs> he put himself at the beach a few miles from where Robin disappeared at 2.22 p.m., an hour before she disappeared. So he, with all these mathematical equations, all he did was put himself at the scene other crime yeah that's fantastic the sun angles what a weirdo he spoke to jurors in a rambling monotone voice saying he was at Knott's Berry's farm applying to be a photographer when when Robin was kidnapped he also showed videos from the the dating game to prove the earrings were his and not Robin's so the um, earrings that were found in uh, the storage locker. In Seattle. Yeah. Gotcha. An actor who competed against him named Jen Mills insisted that he had never seen men with earrings on because they were not considered socially acceptable at that time. He said if Alcala would have worn them, he would have noticed them. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it wasn't the norm back then. So yeah. if you see something that you don't see every day, of course, you notice it. And if somebody would bring it up, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I did see that. Yeah. So in regards to the four killings, Alcala said he didn't remember killing them. He just didn't remember killing them. That's his defense. Mm -hmm. His closing argument involved playing a song. I'm sorry. <laughs> His closing <laughs> argument involved playing a song called Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie. Oh my God. Where the singer is telling the psychiatrist he wants to kill. This guy's like <laughs> what the heck? out there. So weird. The jury deliberated for two days and then found him guilty on five counts of first-degree murder. During the penalty phase of the trial, a surprise witness showed up. Callie Shapiro, his oh first God. victim. Yeah, she was, all right, the eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. Oh, God love her. Yeah, I know. Alcaca paid 
Richard Rappaport, a psychiatrist and his only defense witness to testify that borderline personality disorder would explain why Al Alcala had no memory of murdering. The prosecution said he was a sexual predator who knew what he was doing and just didn't care. In March 2010, he was sentenced to death for a third time. <clears throat> In March 2010, after he was sentenced, the hunting, the hunting Beach, California and New York City Police Department released 120 photographs taken from Alcala's collection. 900 photos could not be released because they were too sexually explicit. He, I'm just looking at all these pictures of him. Mm -hmm. He just makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. I, just like, I don't know. Even like the younger pictures, the older pictures, long hair, short hair. Like, mm -hmm. he just looks like a, ugh. Yeah. No, I agree with you, but do you think, okay, just looking at him, um, try to pretend like you don't know what you know. Like, I feel well, like he would be considered classically handsome. Yeah, so if you look at the younger pictures of him, he almost mm -hmm. has like a Jim Morrison vibe. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was this time period. Yeah. So I absolutely think women... I don't know, like Jim Morrison was way more handsome, but he has the Jim Morrison look. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he definitely, I definitely does. see it. But I think I don't know, like knowing what he did and then seeing these pictures of him when he's older. Look, his skin's gray and he's look at it like Yeah. Like this. In that picture, he looked like a crypt keeper. Yeah, that's what he reminds me of. Like he just, I don't know. He's creepy looking. Yeah, now definitely, but I think the the Jim Morrison look. Yeah, while he was like committing these crimes and stuff, I do like. Because if I, I let me pull this up, like Jim Morrison, looks does isn't that like the look that you think he's going yeah, for? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my god, no this person was a heartthrob. Like women love mm -hmm. twenty-one women alleging assault came forward, and six families who recognized their loved one that disappeared years ago and were never seen again came forward. Can you imagine that? Losing your family, a family member years and years ago, and all of a sudden you see this picture of them pop up. Well, just how I'm thinking unsettling it must have been. Like you have no answers and then you have to go through these photographs and like each photograph you know you're like sick to your stomach nervous uh -huh. you know oh yeah that's rough it wasn't until 2013 that a family member of 28 year old christine thornton recognized her photo in 1982 her body was found in wyoming None of the other photos were able to be connected to missing persons or unsolved murders. In July 2021, 110 of the, of the original photos remain still online and police are still actively looking to identify the victims. Wait, but that one before Wyoming? Mm-hmm. So 
dude he was seriously all everywhere over. I, don't, I don't remember you saying anything about wyoming before i don't think i did no so he this is crazy yeah which makes it even scarier yeah because he was all like just in a bunch of random states mm-hmm in 2010, after his conviction, a Manhattan grand jury in, indicted him for the murder of Cornelia Creeley, a flight mm-hmm. attendant. This occurred in 1971, and Ellen Hoover, the heiress of the famous Circo's nightclub owner, occurred in 1977. Okay, that was the one, those ones from earlier. Yes, I'm sorry. It's C Rose nightclub owner, I believe. Gotcha. gotcha. She was the one that we found her body at the Rockefeller. Yes, yes, that was her. In December 2012, he pled guilty to both and stated it was because he wanted to go back to California to appeal his death penalty conviction. On January 7, 2013, a Manhattan judge sentenced him to 25 years to life because the death penalty has not been an option since 2007. That's... I didn't know that, actually, though. In 2010, Seattle, Washington police named him as a person of interest in the unsolved murder of Antoinette Whitaker. It's W-H-I-T-T-A-K-E-R, who was 13 when she was killed in July 1977, and Joyce Gaunt, G-A-U-N-T, who was 17 and murdered in February 1978. Other cold cases are being investigated in California, New York, New Hampshire and Arizona to see if authorities can connect any of them to him. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. In 2010 in California, he was convicted of the 1977 murder of Joe Barcombe. The 1977 murder of Georgia Wickted. And the 1979 murder of Jill Parentu, P-A-R-E-N-T-E-A-U. Yeah, that sounds right. In March 2011, in San Francisco, Marin County, officials believed he was responsible for the 1977 murder of 19-year-old Pamela Jean Lampson. She disappeared after taking a trip to Fisherman's Wharf, where she traveled to meet a man who wanted to photograph her. Oh, my God. Her naked and battered body was found in the Marion County, was found in Marion County on a hiking trail. Back in 1944, he self-published a book called You, the Jury Claiming Innocence in the Robin Samso case. <clears throat> and was, oh yeah, I'm think, all right so robin was the 12 year old tally was the eight year old okay okay i'm following 
In Corcoran, California, on July 24th, 2021, Alcaca died of unspecified natural causes at the age of 77. Detectives believe he may have killed as many as 130 people. What? Yeah, 130 people. That's a lot. A lot, yeah. Yep. I'm surprised. Maybe he is. Um, I haven't really heard too many stories about him, and I'm just surprised because of how many people he has killed. I never heard of him before. I really didn't. I, like, this is the first time I'm hearing about him. He's yeah. Disturbing. I just don't know why I didn't make, like... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, a big splash. Yep. In July of 2021, a woman named Morgan Rowan came forward alleging in 1968 she lived in Hollywood and had an awful encounter with Alcaca. She and her friends often partied at teen dance clubs on Sunset Strip. She remembered an older man who was very handsome hanging out on the scene. Rod was tall with thick, dark hair and a bright, captivating smile. One of Morgan's friends had a crush on him, and she, too, thought he was good-looking. Alcaca offered to drive the girls to IHOP, but instead took him to his apartment. Morgan remembers... No, I was just going to say, so they're out at a teen dance club. He's mm-hmm. an older guy hanging out there, and then says, I'll take you guys to IHOP. Because think about it, like when we were young... And we were doing stuff that was not illegal. And we'd go to the diner after. Mm-hmm. We did not party, but if we did, you know. That's where we would have went after the diner. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I'll take you. I'll take you to the diner. I'll take you to IHOP. And then drove back to, drove all these girls back to his apartment. He, he's like such a predator. Yeah. Like, why are you old hanging out at a teen dancing club, weirdo because he's gross why morgan remembers people being at the house and loud music thumping the walls she got separated from her friends and remembered rod dragging her into his bedroom and barring the door and bearing the door shut he beat and raped her morgan recalled thinking she was going to die She said he tied her hands, put a belt in her mouth, and punched her in the stomach until she puked blood and it filled her lungs. She, yeah. She remembers feeling like she was drowning and seeing nothing but the pure rage in his eyes. She fought him with all her energy until he strangled her and she felt herself drifting off. The last thing she remembered is praying. Her friends began looking for her in panic, and when they found a locked door, they ended up breaking through the window. He stood. Yeah, I know. I just want you to know, if you were locked in a room, I would burn the house down to get to you. Thank you. (laughs) Just don't let me perish in the fire, please. (laughs) Okay. I will will bust door down, (laughs) windows, and stab arteries <laughs> well thank you you know i would do the same for you <laughs> just need you to know that uh-huh. he stood there naked with her blood all over him and screamed at her friends take her he immediately fled 
Her two friends grabbed her and they ran off and hid in an alley behind a dumpster while Morgan profusely vomited blood. They Ugh. saw Alcaca's car circling the block and driving down alleys looking for the girl. Morgan went to her friend's home and cleaned herself up, then called police. The police officer looked her up and down and said, boy, that'll be a shiner in the morning. What? Yeah. Hang on. What do you expect going out in a mini skirt and go-go boots? You went to a man's house and into his room. I'm not quite sure how you think this guy is going to jail for rape. Stop it. How disgusting is that? Mm -hmm. What is this cop's name? I don't know. We need this. What the frig? Are you kidding me? Yeah. How gross is that? I'm so glad times have changed. Uh, me too. I mean, we definitely still have a long way to go, I feel like, but. That's crap. What do you Absolutely expect? Absolutely. Wearing is. a mini skirt and go-go boots? If I want to leave my house naked, it doesn't give you the right to violate me. Like, Absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. The officer didn't ask for the guy's name and he left. Morgan wore a scarf to hide the bruises on her neck and lied, saying her black eye and busted lip were from a car accident, then never spoke about what happened for years. One day, she saw him on the news and had a panic attack that landed her in the hospital, which I could only imagine. Yeah. Morgan, if you listen to this, we love you. Mm. Poor gal. Yeah, really. We support you and your hero in our eyes when he saw when she saw the pictures from the attack on on tally she recognized the bar as being the one that alcala used to lock her inside his room morgan yeah morgan was distraught and felt guilty and responsible for not doing more to stop him she ended up reaching out to tally and apologizing oh my gosh i know she is not responsible. No, not in any way, shape, or form. You know who's responsible? That dickhead cop. He's responsible. And obviously him. I mean. Yeah, yeah I know. I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh. So Tally doesn't remember the attack and sees herself as a survivor, refusing to be a victim. Morgan has learned to see herself the same noting it took it took her years to finally say she refused to let the evil control her anymore god bless her i know god bless her seriously Mm -hmm. well that is it that is the story i feel for these women he i hate him and i want to stab him with, no, you want to punch him with a machete. Yeah, I like to punch him with a machete. <laughs> we need to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I like to punch you with a machete. <laughs> <coughs> He's just awful. Yeah, he is. And that damn cop, too. How yeah. gross. What do you expect you went out in a miniskirt and go, like, what? <sighs> I can't, and it still boggles my mind because I feel like only in the last, I don't even know, five years maybe, is how thing like like things really started to change. Like I feel like we- Weinstein or we, we- yeah that creep. 
Wiener Steiner. <laughs> Wiener Steiner. I like it. Right. So like since the Me Too movement, and again, because it's just such a double standard because I could see both sides where women, and I don't think, that, I don't know if it happens often, but, you know, just like making things up just mm-hmm. because they can, and then they're automatically believed. But on the other side, I think so many women have gotten sick of either being a victim or being silenced for so many years that they decide to speak up. Like, I think there's, it's like a dichotomy, like two worlds are colliding and we're kind of living to see this collision and explosion going off. But Mm -hmm. that absolutely needed to happen. I know when we were growing up and you and I were both waitresses and very underage, you know, having really old, creepy men Mm -hmm. make inappropriate comments constantly. And I don't know, it was almost conditioned in us to just... We would laugh about it, just like giggle, (laughs) like whatever. Yeah, Yeah. I remember that. And I look back, I feel like it was just so inappropriate and so wrong mm-hmm. like yeah absolutely when your daughter is 14 if there's a 75 year old man you know putting his hands on her bum he's gonna probably get punched with a machete <laughs> absolutely you will but i just look back at i really cringe at the disrespect that we stood for because it was just like it was like it's a societal norm you know Mm -hmm. like oh they're harmless but it doesn't matter like there were so many times that you and I even talked about it like god this is so uncomfortable it's so weird so creepy Mm -hmm. and it was just like a secret conversation that we had because we didn't want to be dramatic or cause a problem you know like we're like obedient little which is weird because we weren't obedient in any other aspect of our life you know, hellraisers in other parts, but when yeah. stuff like that happened, we just kind of were like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think like we thought twice twice about it though, because like you said, like we thought it was quote unquote normal. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so unsettling. So, I am happy that things are going in the direction that they are because I think it's about time. Yeah, absolutely. And then that old school mentality, you were wearing a go-go boot or you were wearing go-go boots and a mini skirt. What did you think was going to happen? Like that stops. Someone wants to That's okay. You know, still can't violate them. Yep. I always hated hearing that crap. Like she was asking for it. Mm -hmm. Really? Like. I know. That was a crazy story. 